Well, I'm up earlier than normal. I hear uh, roosters in the background. Sorry. How's it going? I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have let them out. <laughs> I walked the dogs early this morning and I said, oh, let me let the chickens out. And the second I opened the gate, I'm like, they're going to be on the back porch because it's rainy. <clears throat> and that's what's happened. Yeah. What time yeah. do you get up, Jimmy? Uh, when I know there's stressful situations and things to do like that I can't avoid, I'll pop up my eyes open at like 637 every day. But when it's <clears throat> all my work is done, I tend to sleep until like 8, 830. Yeah. Anywhere between six and eight. And it's funny. I, and you go to bed at like four. Well, you know what it is? <laughs> I, I have like a hard five hours. Like no matter what it is, it's like if I go to bed at midnight, I wake up at five going, what am I going to do with all my free time? If I go to bed at like three, then I wake up five hours later and, you know, it's like reasonable morning time. But like occasionally, like I'm just kapooped from the show and all the activity and, you know, there's mental activity too, just talking to so many people. That's kind of stressful instead of having to just keep my mouth shut all day long, which is typical. And, uh, you know, you, you go in and it's like 10 o'clock. I'm like, I'm, I'm, let me just go lay down with the dogs. And then, like, I open my eyes at like 4.30, 5 in the morning. I'm like, oh, what, what have I done? It's yeah. going to kill time. You know, I'll tend to maybe sometimes fall back asleep, but it takes me like an hour or two. But I've mm-hmm. trained my body for that like five, sometimes six hours, and that's it. But I guess I can bank the free time to do something. There's something about this time of year for me uh, and waking up in the morning. If it's really, really cold, if it's winter time, I can usually force myself to get out of bed, uh, oddly enough. Or if it's summertime and it's like kind of uncomfortably warm, you know, I'm like, yeah, I can get out of this bed. But there's something about right now, the bed is the perfect temperature every mm. single morning. Mm. And I just don't want to move. Mm. I've had a really hard time with that last like two weeks. Well, you guys don't live in an old farmhouse, like a really old no, that's farmhouse. True. And I don't have chickens. But I have a heated blanket, like a heated bed thing. Like that is like I call it the time machine because if you go to bed on a heated thing, you wake up, it could be like three days later, and you're like, wait, where have I been? You open your eyes. It's like when you're like, I haven't gotten drunk in a long time, but it's like after a long night of drinking, you open your eyes, and you're like, okay, I remember Monday afternoon at the picnic. (laughs) You're like, what day is today? I didn't have iPhones when I stopped drinking, but I I would imagine you like reach for your iPhone and see that time and date right on the front. That would probably be the first thing. (laughs) But anyway, that's what it's like sleeping in a in a. When it's like 10 degrees out and you're you're just, it's like 100 degrees, just like around you and your blanket and nowhere else. Oh, yeah. It's like you're, you're we have the, the heated amoeba. mattress pad as well. We call it the hot tub bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I call it the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> I said it to him, like, I don't want to put the time machine on tonight because I have to get up early tomorrow. <sighs> not too many people know about our sleeping habits. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much to sell. Well, uh, how's the show going? You're like a week, week yeah. and a half into shooting? Yeah, we're a week and three days in, and it's been going great. It's uh, The first week is everybody's super excited. There's so many – I'll tell you a funny story. The the DP shot a television show with Dude Perfect, and so um, I said to him – I said his name is Chris. I said, Chris, honest, do you have more fun hanging out with us or the Dude Perfect guys? He goes, oh, 100% you guys. He goes, all day long, we're waiting for them to throw a ball into a hole. He goes, oh, let me try it again. Oh, let me try again. Hold on. Let me try that again. He said, all day long, every take is like 30 tries to get the thing. He goes, they just show you what works. They never show you all the failures. <laughs> oh, yeah. was, he goes, and, you know, all the cameras are set up, the lights, and they're all just like, oh, try that again. Okay, hold on. Let me try it. All right. 
oh, let me try that again. So So you think you see the edits of these like 15 million view videos that were like posted this morning. And it's like, boom, we got it. We got the ball. We got, you you never stop to think that like everything takes a hundred tries. You think that the camera's just, oh, look, let me throw a card into a toaster. It worked. Let me throw a Mentos in a soda bottle. It worked. Well, I mean, there's a reason they're so excited because they're like, yes, finally, after 300 <laughs> tries of that thing. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. They're coming. They're doing like a live tour. I don't know how we got to do perfect. They're yeah. doing a live tour where they're going around in arenas. And a friend of ours got tickets for his kids. Well, and I was wondering how that would work. Well, it's because like cause Chris said, he goes, like he goes, the live pressure. They don't do any tricks on the live tour. They might probably oh. they spin basketballs and stuff what? and, you know, do like... Chris says, this is what Chris said. He goes, yeah, there, he goes, oh, and I didn't even know they did a live tour. This was last night. At, like at the end of the day, we this conversation came up. He goes, he goes, oh, yeah, that's why they don't do any tricks on the live tour. He goes, because they would never hit it on the first try. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And now here you're telling me, you know, somebody going to one of their, their shows. So what, do they just like hang out? I don't know. <laughs> I'll ask Chris to let you know. <laughs> it's like a making it get together. They <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just stand around and look at each other and go, dude, perfect. Dude, perfect. Dude. Huh. Yeah, I'll let you know. You have to let me know. Let the audience know. Yeah. Man, my friend's kid's going to be really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You think they're going to be throwing, like, baseball cards into apples and stuff? Nah. This going to be wow. staring on. Yeah, man. Remember the time you threw a basketball and it went in? <laughs> that was cool, man. Remember yeah, it's all reminiscing about ball? things they did in videos. <laughs> it bounced off the pot and then went in the drain. Man, that was so cool. I love Dude Perfect, though. I'm just kidding around. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's funny. These guys have, like, really – they got, like, good credentials. They work with Mark Roper on something. I don't know what, but a couple of the guys work with Mark. And, uh, you know, I said, like I said last week, and, and a couple of guys made fun, uh, funny memes uh, of uh, the, uh, the us, our team in in Duck Dynasty gear, which was hilarious. That was oh, really funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Keith Deason, I think, did that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's been going good. I, I, you know, uh, I've been very fortunate, you know, to, to get to this point and it's, uh, it's great. It, the, the best thing about it is it's like been such a culmination of like YouTube community stuff, like from the building of the building itself and all the guys involved in that. And, you know, all the people that have come together in the classrooms and stuff in the, in that building. And now here we are and, you know, and it's just YouTube people, you know, doing, doing the on-camera stuff. It's it's just, it's been so great. They've been so lucky. And, you know, I get grumpy sometimes, but I, I jokingly told the, the cast, I said the other day, we usually have a little morning meeting. And I said, if I'm grumpy, I'm just, just staying in character. So don't, don't get offended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing the New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of my character on the show. You know, it's, it's a little, it's a little puffed up for TV, but the builds are real and, yeah. you know, the techniques and the things we're doing are all real. It's funny, we, the first thing we built, uh, a couple of people were like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm going to try this. You know, so it's like people on set are already getting inspired and influenced by and, you know, the cameraman. I, I can always tell when, when I'm on a show and the cameramen are very invested and like curious to see what's next. Like, so what are you doing next? And then mm-hmm. uh, I could tell like, the, you know, like that's, it's a good vibe. And yesterday I, we had a lot of downtime because they were doing specialty shots and transition shots, which required us to be around for a little moments in time. So I had a lot of free time. So yesterday I made the knobs for my bandsaw and, uh, and I, so I turned it, I shot a video of me making knobs for my bandsaw on the lathe, brass knobs. And 
And uh, Ethan, one of the cameramen came over and he's like, wow, man. He goes, you just get to shoot tool porn all day long because this is really cool. It's like, you're like, <laughs> yeah, because they're like in the TV business. They don't really know what we do. They, they don't pay that close attention. So it was funny. He's like, man, because you just get to shoot tool porn all day long because it must be a lot of fun. It's like, it is. Because I was like setting the camera up to do a close up shot of the lathe. It's cool. It's just cool. obviously I got other things to do and I have other obligations. Like I still have to squeeze in uh, an audible.com video. And uh, obviously my trailer is, is, it's been, the deadline's been extended. So I have to still have to work on that, of course. And the mm-hmm. weather up here has been horrible. I don't know. Are you guys getting rain constantly? It has not mm-hmm. stopped raining. Woke up this morning. It's like so foggy. You can't see past the field. And, you know, we have to do a couple of things outside in the next couple of days. And Mike, the director, looked at me and goes, when does it stop raining here? I was like, dude, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> I'm sorry I invited everybody here. I don't know. But, that's but cool. That's it. That's that it. Well. Thank you. Uh, well, we, we do have a shorter time today because of your schedule stuff. So we'll keep moving around. David, what do you got? What are you up to? I don't have any new projects that we haven't talked about already. I'm working on the... the um, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned the the workbench that's adjustable to different heights, and uh, I got the version that you make your own top. And so I took a sheet of plywood and I cut a whole bunch of one inch strips and then flipped them on their sides so these exposed edges of the plywood are up, and then kind of framed that with um, with cherry. And as I'm gluing the cherry on, I'm like. While we were filming this, we had Kingpin on on the uh, on the TV, and I was like, "This table looks like a bowling alley. Like it would be so cool to <laughs> inlay the little arrow, the little marks uh, on there, and then instead of just putting, instead of just framing it with cherry, we should make gutters, and it's a place to store your tools. But it would look like, and it was like this brilliant idea." Then I'm like, I'm not doing that. I just want this video to be done because Aww. I've been working on it for too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but here's an idea for anybody out there who's watching the video. So um, it's coming out really cool. It's it's a um, I haven't got to put it to use yet, so I don't have an opinion on this thing. But it's it's a adjustable height workbench where it has different settings and memories and. It can hold up to like 450 pounds, and you can have memory one as like your outfeed for your planer. How, no, no, how do you have memory? Two. Is this like a? Is this an accessory that you were able to incorporate? It's a. Uh, it, it's like one of those sit stand desks, but it's but it's a workbench. Um, I mean, it's made to be a workbench. This is not nothing that I've developed or did anything. It's mm-hmm. a, this company makes them, and um, it's a new product. And as far as I know, there's nothing else out there like that that can withstand 450 pounds and, and take a beating. Um, and it works with your phone, so you could be like, "Hey, robot, go to table saw height," and then you can wheel it over your table saw. It's it's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I'll, like I said, it's not together completely yet. It will be today. Um, but I like the I like the idea of of this product. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. And can you put your own top on it or anything, or is it just a straight up put together? Yeah, you can put. Thing? Yeah, you can put your own top. You get you get two options. You can buy it without the top, or you can buy it with the top. So, it, like if if you buy it with the top, it's like a maybe an inch and a quarter. I'm guessing like MDF top. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, to make my video a little bit more interesting, I chose without the top, and then we 
made this plywood bowling alley thing. Oh, very cool. Cool. Very cool. Well, see, for me, I um, I've been like kind of heads down in the kitchen stuff for so long now. We started that in the middle of February, so a long time, (laughs) 10 years ago, something like that. Mm. Um, So I've just been like in kitchen, but finally we're at a point over the last couple of weeks where, you know, it's the the cabinetry is done. We're waiting on countertops. They came and measured uh, for that, which was kind of a cool process to watch. But and we're waiting on, on those. We're waiting on picking paint colors. We still just haven't picked the color for the cabinets. So it's the kitchen is kind of stalled to a point. You know, we're in between phases. And so I finally got to start on other projects, which was nice. And so I started working on R2-D2 again, which was kind of nice because it's been six months or longer since I've really done (laughs) anything on that. So it's kind of, it's interesting to do something like that, a long-term project that you have to be really attentive to when you're working on it, but then you you know get to a point you could stop and set it aside. And so when I came back after such a long time, I'm like looking at it, trying to remember like, how did, how are the feet held together? Like, what is the, what was the next step I was supposed to do here? And so I kind of have to, you know, put it back in my head about what's left to do and what I was thinking about the next steps being and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of fun. But yesterday, a little word of warning yesterday, I was cutting, I had some thin steel, some like sheet metal, and I was going to cut a couple of strips to use on the inside of the feet. I was going to make some magnetic catches. And so I just needed this sheet metal to be able to bend, bend at a curve. Um, Because the feet are all aluminum. So I wanted to add some steel in this one place so I have a magnet place. So I clamped this piece of thin steel to the workbench. And it was hanging over the side. And I had it hanging more than I should have. I didn't realize that at the time. But I think that's what the problem was. So I took the angle grinder and I'm scoring the top of the sheet, the overhang off the table, to you know, make a score. And I was just going to keep scoring it enough to where I could kind of then bend it down and snap it off. And then a really, a really good way to like cut a strip of steel other than this. And so I'm like skating along the top of this piece and I get to the end of it one time and the cutoff wheel, I guess, caught the steel, flung it down because there was so much hanging over the edge of the table. And then it came back up when the you know, when it got off the end of the tool. So the steel popped up and the end of it hit me right in the knuckle. Ooh. My, the first, what do you call the top knuckle? First digit? I don't know. My middle finger, the top closest to the end of my finger knuckle, whatever that one's called. <laughs> never <laughs> thought about that, that you have like two knuckles. That's you N30, that's N20. Mm. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so it hit me right across that and cut it and it, bled for two hours. I don't know. I mean, it's not a terrible cut. It's not grizzly or anything, but it hit me right across the bone of that knuckle and it hurts so bad. (laughs) It's like somebody took my finger and just like smashed it with a hammer right on the top of that bone. And so like it stopped bleeding now, which is good because I was a little worried that it was like too deep, you know, 
But I think it's one of those things where if I bend that knuckle again, which would really cut. hurt to bend, it the would cut. pop it open and stuff. Just keep, just keep it flooded with like bacitracin or something, because if you get hit with metal, you could like literally deposit an infection into your skin. Mm. Yeah, I cleaned it out and it was it was tough to clean out something that's, you know, constantly bleeding and everything. But I worked on that and I tried to use some super glue to hold it closed. And But even that, because it's on the knuckle, if I bend my finger at all, that yeah. super glue panel just pops off, you know, that yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. So anyway, word of warning, if you're going to cut something like that, I guess in the future, I will just try to force that cutting line as close to the stable surface as possible, you know, to the table so that it doesn't have like that floppy kind of spring action because i think that's what it was and it wouldn't i didn't other than moving where i had it placed i didn't do anything wrong i wasn't being lazy or you know careless or anything it just happened to catch the end and pop that thing up and hit me right in the knuckle so that's dumb we're, we're it is dumb <laughs> it's dumb you have to deal with to that you. yeah i mean it's weird because lately my knuckles have been the the thing that gets hit a lot of wrenching on things or like, you know, underneath the router table, trying to get that wrench to like loosen up from the collet and then oh. it lets go. And then this knuckle hits some piece open of metal palm. and busts open. And you got to do you the open palm I, I thing. Have a, yeah. I, I have a it's simple true. technique when you're, when you're loosening the collet, I put when you're, when you're loosening it, I position the two wrenches so that when you squeeze them, you squeeze them together with two hands. So your hands don't slip or slide in any direction. Mm. So you have the two wrenches positioned like literally like 30 degrees apart and you squeeze them together. And then when I tighten it, so like my, cause it's been so many times I've skinned my knuckles on like the partially cut material, whatever it is. And and the other, so I squeeze my hands together to, I think that's to loosen it. Yep. That's to loosen it. And then to tighten it, I grab each one in each inside each separate hand. And then I push my thumbs apart. And that's how mm. I tighten it. So this way, there's no risk for me slipping off and hitting anything underneath the table or even the bit. How many times have you cut your hand on the actual bit reaching underneath there and doing something? I mean, I've done it several times. So I'm always very careful. Uh, because in the first couple of years, I did it all the time. Skin my knuckles and cut the back of my hand, just like reaching under the thing. All of a sudden, I just sliced my palm on the, you know, the two flute bit. I cut. All right. Can you see this? Can you see my fingertip? You see that mm-hmm. line, that white yep. line? Okay, so there's a white line on my fingertip that's about like almost three quarters of an inch long. This is a cut, a a paper cut from MDF. Oh yeah, <laughs> have like, you ever done that? Yeah, yeah. When no. your saw blade doesn't doesn't like if you're using a saw blade that you know like kind of has like a valley in the middle of it and it leaves that little sliver on each side well, of like see, a V shape. So on this one, I was remaking a part for R two D two and it had. It's stacked MDF, so I have these chunks of three three quarter MDF stacked up to make or a piece a severe that's about angle four or five it. inches. And so I was cutting this like angle on the side, and on the bandsaw, I held this piece, cut down, added a nice angle to the end of it, and that angle, I was like, "Wow, that looks really good." And I ran my finger over the top of it, just like, "Look at that! That's crazy thin." <laughs> and like, "Yep, sure is." <laughs> just cut my finger. I mean, I had no idea that you could just straight off the a bandsaw at that, you know, like which feels super wobbly and not like, and at least mine is not a terribly clean cut. But man, right off the saw, it was sharp enough to give me a paper cut, and it's not deep or anything, but it's got paint in it, which is why it's white. <laughs> but I don't know, it's weird stuff like that that I, you know, I guess I guess I did something wrong. It doesn't feel like I did anything wrong. It just <laughs> happened to get. I was cut. just being Bob. Yeah, just being me. 
Anyway, so my hands oh. are kind of taking a beating lately. So that's that's my story. Okay. Super interesting. But I've been working on a bunch of different things, which was the point of all that. Is I've been working on R2-D2, still working on the kitchen. We started building a swing to put out at the farm, which has been fun. It's like a steel frame with uh, cedar planks. and oh, Nice. So it's nice to have several things going on. But the rain is also causing a problem. We need to go out there and shoot and do some stuff outside. And we like have to keep putting it off because it rains every single day. Were you going to say something, David? I have a topic suggestion. We didn't have a chance to talk. Oh. So, uh, but I want to make sure that you are done talking about what you're working on. Oh, yeah. Yep, I'm done. Go. What you so uh, what tricks or techniques do you guys use to keep your hobbies or your jobs fun and interesting? Ooh. I don't know if we've talked about this. But when you do something mm. over and over again for many years, even if it's just a hobby – it gets old. So there's, there's things that you have to do to spice it up a little bit. I I have a, that immediately reminds me of an interesting story because I changed my point of view on something that was being really annoying. And I did Hmm. the story the other night on Instagram of my Tormach not starting. And, you know, I I opened it up to the community and I, I got the answers because I opened it up to the community, but I also got a million things like, did you turn it on and off yet? Like, you know, I got, got like a yeah. hundred of those and then like two really potent, correct answers. But uh, I was getting a little frustrated with the whole thing, not not with the audience, but with the, with the machine itself. And I was like, this is why I hate CNC machines. You know, I was going through all this. And then uh, my friend Eric suggested maybe it's diffused. And I was like, oh, OK, maybe this is this is tangible. This is not this is not this magic. You know? And then like I, right there, I changed my point of view of like, OK, let me uns- let me try and solve this puzzle. And then it became fun. Then I was like, you know, like I've gotten over this isn't starting. That's it. It's not starting. You know, there's nothing right. we can do about it right now. And once I got past that frustration of like, okay, let me just be okay with exactly what's happening and just figure this out. Then it became a puzzle. Then it became more like, can I get the thing started for fun? You know, I could do what I wanted to do five other ways. I don't necessarily have to do it here. And uh, so once, once I got past that state of being, it was more fun for me. So it was interesting. And then Aaron came, I t- texted Aaron, Aaron jumped over here on Sunday in the evening and together we started figuring it out and I cracked open the case and I smelled burnt plastic. I was like, okay, something's going on wrong here. Nothing looked bad, but you know, started checking all the fuses and going back and forth with some people in the community. And uh, so that one for me was a super frustrating experience to something of like, okay, let me just zero in and solve this problem. And my buddy Mike led me on uh, probably the solve. He's like, it's probably your controller because if something smells burnt and all these other lights are on, he goes, it's most likely a controller. He goes, which is a common problem for Tormach. So he's like, then Aaron got on the phone the next day while we were working and got on the phone and and, uh, zeroed in with the tech on the phone. So we figured out what it was. They sent a new thing and it's here. We haven't installed it yet just because of time, but maybe today we'll do it or Aaron's going to do it while we're working. So there's a different point of view. Like when you change your point of view on something that otherwise would be frustrating. And I remember being like, oh, this is kind of fun taking the doors off this thing. And, you know, all this stuff I never wanted to do. But I'm like, all right, let me just change my point of view and then go from frustrated, annoying customer to problem solver. And, you know, so that, that, that was helpful for me recently. That's a hard trick to pull off. Just changing your attitude from, well, this is a terrible situation too. Let's turn it into a game. Yeah. Well, yeah. it, it kind of, it, 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 the switch clicked when I realized wasn't the cable, wasn't, it was like something beyond 
like a visible fix. Mm-hmm. You know, it says, keep checking the cable. And then I'm like, the cable's fine. The cable, you know, and this was on a few days prior. It wasn't, it wasn't like sat in storage. I mean, the thing I leave it on all the time. I thought I was going to move it into the shop for the show. And then we just ran out of time. And so I was like, you know what, let me make some ice picks on this thing. And I turned it back on and that's where I found my, my new problem. But uh, yeah, just trying to change your point of view on something from being like frustrated to like, well, there's not like, you know, it's like when you get a flat tire on the side of the road, you could be so annoyed or you could be like, well, you know, I'm with somebody I love and we're having fun. Let's just take this moment, this window in time and try and do something fun with it as opposed to just being super frustrated. There's nothing, there's no other option, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not like you can like get so mad that the tire will fill back up with air. That's not possible. Yeah. So, yeah. That'd be a cool trick, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fill this tire up with my anger. Yeah, uh, for me, it's here's your title. I, I for me, it's about like trying to keep things varied, and that's difficult when you. I guess this is a perspective thing, similar to what you're talking about. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but so like I look at our job. And I think, well, making videos. And if that's the video, if the video part is the repetitive thing that gets annoying, then I have to zoom out a level and say, well, okay, then let's make content, right? So let's add podcasts. That keeps it interesting because sometimes I'm doing audio, sometimes I'm doing video. But if you go the other way and say, like, I do, I guess, get more detailed down the funnel, I do woodworking. Well, the way to vary that for me would be to do some projects that are not woodworking. And so that's one of the huge reasons why you know, I try to do a little bit of everything and I'm constantly trying to get into new types of things because woodworking is boring to me if that's all I do. Metalworking is boring to me if that's all I do. And so um, I think just keeping that, the subject matter varied is is a way that helps me do that. And even if the subject matter is varied, I still do get kind of annoyed with the process of shooting a video. Now, obviously, that's helpful to have somebody else shooting. I don't have to worry about the camera so much anymore. And that's part of why I tried to build a team is so that the things that, like, I have to do that I'm not great at or that, you know, kind of get in the way of the part that I want to do, somebody else who really likes to shoot video can handle that. And so I think just taking the parts that get monotonous to me and giving them to somebody who really, it's not monotonous to them, Mm -hmm. I think has been helpful. Um, but I, I still think that if I let myself, I would pick one thing and do a whole lot of it and then not realize I was getting bored with it until it was really obvious to the outside, you know? And I think I've, I've done that before. I've spent too much time doing woodworking projects or, and that's the thing that I do most of. So that's why that keeps coming back up. But I think I've found myself there where I'm like, oh, wow, I just, I really need to go do something else because my heart's not in this. Not not in the videos, but just in like doing more cabinetry or woodworking or furniture or whatever. And that's why I jump around all the time. So another thing, another thing that helps me, you reminded me when you're talking about the monotony of making cabinets is I constantly remind myself, and I used to say it to David Welder all the time. And occasionally I I think I say it to Aaron just because I can't help myself is we're going to school on this one. You know, if, if it's something's really annoying or, or monotonous, I just keep reminding myself I'm going to school. I'm going to school. You know, school is someplace that's not always super fun, uh, but you leave with an education. So if I remind myself I'm going mm. to school, like you're going to school on cabinetry. And when you're done, you can give advice and tell people how to do it or 
be better at it the next time a small, simple cabinet job comes up. You'll approach it with right. a lot more confidence as opposed to having to, you know, handle 15, 20 cabinets in one week. One, two, you'd be like, this is nothing. You know, so you've gone yeah. to school for that. And that's, you know, just trying to look for the benefit of the monotony of, you know, and Dave, you've, you've gone to school a hundred times, you know, now with the, with the go-karts and the engines and all this stuff. I mean, you know, when we first started doing the show, you never would have considered talking about any of that. Right. Right. Yeah. One of the, uh, the, the tricks I get bored with things pretty quick. And one of the tricks I do is put limitations on myself. I don't know. Some people will remember about a year ago for like eight months, all of my videos were 10 minutes and one second long. And that was, I didn't tell anybody why I was doing it. I didn't. The only reason was I wanted to make it difficult to make videos. I wanted every video to be 10 minutes and one second long. And I think it got me better at editing when I did that. And it was just this challenge every day of like, how can I get rid of more footage, but make sure the whole story is still in there. And um, it, it really spiced that up. And then when I stopped doing that, I lengthened the videos and we started doing weird things like, you know, the high frame rate stuff and the spaceship mode stuff. And um, I think, uh, and, and then it just really got me back into editing video. So those limitations definitely help. And I've done a couple projects where, like, oh, I'm going to do a boring table like I did a couple months ago. Well, let's just use uh, a circular saw and a drill. You know, let's just limit it to these two things. Can I do that? And that made it fun. And then the, even though the, the end product, I look at it, and I'm like, yeah, oh, that's kind of boring. But I know that I made it difficult for myself because I only use those two power tools. And mm. I was like, God, oh, you know, it's, it's satisfying. So limitations de- definitely helps me, especially like, it's just so that translates options. into just, you know, I mean, I, I see that from where I'm at. I see that as translating into just exercising your problem solving skills. And you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's similar to what I was saying, where it's just like, all right, this is a game now. How am I going to solve this problem? And same way you turn it into a game saying, how am I going to make something with just these limited tools and these limited requirements I put on myself. And, you know, the bottom line is making it a little bit of a game keeps it fun because it, it forces your problem solving skills that you otherwise would just take for granted and be like, Ugh, you know? yeah, yeah. I think along those same lines, anytime you add something to your process, it's, you know, can spice it up, right? So whether that's changing the thing that you're working in or limiting tools or a uh, thing we've been trying to do lately is zoom out a little bit. And I don't know if I really talked about this on here or just, mentioned that we were thinking of it, but trying to zoom out past the project. So I look around now and say, you know, this is a thing I want to make because I need it here or just an idea I had. But instead of just making that and the video is just the start to finish of that, I'm trying to zoom out before we actually do any work, excuse me, and say, like, what's the point of it? And what's a way that we could introduce it or wrap it up in a way that is a little bit broader than just how do you do this thing? Because how do you do this thing may only be applicable to a really, really limited number of people, especially the further I get into like Star Wars stuff. Like that only applies to people who like that character in that universe in, you know, this type of material. But if like instead of making so-and-so's helmet, if the story of the video is about 
how to take something you love and turn it into something you can wear or something. It's just off the top of my head. Then that's an idea that anybody could take and they would be drawn into it. So part of the challenge that we're doing now is trying to take an idea and wrap it in a bigger, broader story that's applicable to more people, at least would draw more people in to check it out. And that's an interesting challenge. And that's really, it. in some ways, it's really easy. But in a lot of things, it's like, I don't, like, it's a cabinet. I don't know. How do you tell people that they want to be interested in finding more about cabinets? <laughs> and it, it kind of worked in the cabinet video. Instead of just saying, like, how to make kitchen cabinets, the video was, I made them and I showed how to make them in it. But the video wasn't about that. The video was about whether it was worth it or not. And that had a big draw to people and had a huge conversation going on, you know, around what I found out about it, what other people thought I was going to find out about it, and people who disagreed with me or agreed with me or whatever. And I think that idea of a video worked way better than just how to make kitchen cabinets. Yeah, you mean giving yourself the Because if somebody... If somebody didn't need to make them at the day that that video came out, then they probably wouldn't necessarily have watched the video. But if they're thinking like, maybe someday I'll make my own cabinets for my kitchen renovation, then it's useful. you know. And, and, and it wasn't a bait and switch thing. It was like I was trying to make it useful for that. But I think that's my point in all this is that that's the interesting thing in, in spicing up for me the videos that we're trying to make now is how do you wrap them in a thing that makes them useful whether the person wants to make that thing or not right then. Um, and it's a lot more of a challenge to come up with that story and that kind of zoomed out view of it than I expected. So hmm. that's been a good thing for us lately. Yeah. Interesting. What about like non-work stuff, like hobbies, like music, Bob, you're into music. Um, but you, I think you said you don't play that much anymore. Like, what yeah. would be the thing to get you back into it or to make it interesting again? Would it be uh, a new toy? No, I've tried that. <laughs> I mean, I, I've tried that. I've tried buying equipment. I've made the guitar recently. I thought that would get me back into playing. I really haven't at all. I mean, I pick it up every, every once in a while just because, like, I'm proud of it and I like it. And it plays well. Sounds good and everything. But I don't know. I think for me... I, making a distinction about hobbies is really, really mm. hard. I just, I, I don't, I don't know what they are anymore. I don't know what, because I, my time is, I put it into the things that I care about. And so anything that I don't make time for, this sounds really terrible when I apply it in certain ways, but anything that I don't make time for is something that I don't care as much about as the other stuff in my life. So, Anybody listening, <laughs> if I have not called you in a while, it doesn't mean I don't love you. That's not what I'm saying. It's just like, you know, like in my day, if I'm going to put my time into something, even though I would love to play music, it's hard for me to like justify that to myself because there's other stuff that seems more, I don't know, it's just more interesting or more productive yeah. or more useful or I don't know. More attractive Hobbies are somewhere. really hard for me. But. I think my, I look at my whole career as a, as a hobby, basically. It's it's funny because people are like, what yeah. are your hobbies? I say, I just make stuff and I don't get paid for it. That's tip, like anything that I make and I don't get paid <laughs> is basically my hobby. But, you know, I there believe you it all goes to the bottom line anyway. 
for instance, yesterday I was about to make those knobs and I, I, it just kind of came up after I first mentioned what I was talking about. I first made those knobs and while I'm sitting here thinking, I remember that moment where I was like, oh, I bought three sets of knobs on on Amazon, eBay, and then Aaron got a set of knobs from the local hardware store to try and put on this bandsaw because that bandsaw my whole life never had a set of knobs. We put nuts and bolts on it. It's just been one of those like little lazy things that always no one ever cared about. And every time I walked past it, <clears throat> I said, I got to put knobs on that. Turns out, it because my sticker bandsaw is not allowed to be on TV because they's like, we can't get all those releases. I said, those stickers were given out in public. And they're like, doesn't matter if some person gets mad and wants to kind of hit what? up. Yeah, so I can't put my sticker bandsaw on camera, which is the better of the two. It's better. It's more tuned in. What about if I give you my permission <laughs> all of now your tools. to use my logo on your TV show? <laughs> Done. No, we had to have like Lincoln Electric had to uh, sign a release, you know, of, like who wouldn't want their thing on TV, you know? Um, anyway, so uh, I didn't no, just mention the name of the network, so. did I? Because I don't know. <laughs> I don't even I don't know. So. Okay. Because <laughs> it might have just flew right out of my mouth. <laughs> anyway, long story. If I did, Brandon, just bleep it. Um, so I had to make the knobs for the bandsaw and, and I started working on them kind of begrudgingly. And Derek came over mm. and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm making knobs to the band. So he goes, you're not going to shoot a video? And I was like, as a matter of fact, I will. And right there and then I had already started cutting material. So I had to go back and get fake stock and make like I stuck it in. So uh, in the video, you'll see me grab a piece of stock, which is actually the leftover stock air because the real stock was like four inches longer. Um, anyway, I had is somebody here. Oh, no, somebody is. Oh, that's Willie. Sorry. So by, again, changing my point of view, like I'm annoyed by the, the last package I opened up aren't the correct knobs. Let me go make my own. Derek whispered in my ear and was like, hey, why don't you make a video? This is really, this is going to be cool to watch if I'm just sitting around with you. He goes, make a video. So I was like, oh, cool. So I started making a video and he was getting tips on how to shoot a video. And uh, it's fun. And I got a great video. I haven't finished the edit, but, you know, it's going to be a good video for the weekend. Then. And right there out of nowhere. So again, just changing your point of view and turning it into a little bit of a game always helps the monotony or the begrudgingly start of something. So that's my when, latest uh, example. Um, when, when Bob said that he had a hard time distinguishing the hobby from, from work, I was in that position for a long time because I kept thinking everything that I do should be content. I can turn, I can like, I am in a fortunate position where I can make a video on anything. And it really took the fun out of, out of a couple of things like out of music and, and, uh, and the go-karting and stuff. So I have separated those things and now it's just, I'm, I make music. Most of it is absolutely garbage, but I don't care. I have fun. And then, you know, the one out of 25 <laughs> things that I yeah. do make, as far as music, I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. I'll throw that as background music in the video. That'll, that'll work great. And then uh, the go-karting stuff, I just decided, like, I'm not yeah. making videos because it's putting too much pressure, and this is supposed to be a thing that's fun. And when I find the thing that I think will be interesting for a video or will add value to it, I'll, I'll do that. Or maybe I, need to, maybe I need to use the company card to buy this particular piece of equipment and uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'll make a video <laughs> out of that. But um, I do try to keep hobbies separate from, from work. That doesn't mean woodworking and all the making stuff on camera isn't fun. I still absolutely love that. But that, like, when I'm doing that stuff, it feels like I'm on the clock. When I, f- you know, for the first few years, all the woodworking stuff and all the video stuff, I did all the time. You wake up, you go in the shop, you make you eat dinner, you go back into the shop, you're editing video, and then you go to bed. I have made the choice to not work all the time anymore. And maybe the business is suffering from that. Yeah. Suffering's not the right word, but but I also enjoy a little bit more free time. I also relax a little bit more. And of course, I could be making a lot more money and putting out a lot more videos and doing all these other things. But I actually enjoy life a little bit more when I'm when I have some free time. Yeah. Yeah, to what end? I mean, like you can you can burn that candle at both ends, but yeah. eventually you're going to run out of candle. It's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've tried to take more things because I hit a point where I was trying to turn everything I did into content yeah, as well. Yeah. And then some of it's just not good content. Like just because you have to make something doesn't mean it's going to be a good video. Sometimes you just need to get the thing done and put it in the place where it needs to be and then like move on. And that was as someone who's starting their own business, that was hard to do. It's hard to like, well, this I'm throwing away an opportunity, right? An opportunity that could be something to make money. But a lot of times you have diminishing returns there because you're spending time trying to make a video that's going to make you very, very little money in the end when you could have just gotten the thing done and used that same amount of time to like <laughs> sit there <laughs> or like sleep or coffee or like any number of things that would have been better than, you know, just like hustling on something that doesn't really do anything for you. So that's something I've also had to try to figure out. And I think, you know, what I was talking about earlier of us trying to make a bigger zoom out on a project, that's harder to do when it's like, how to make a shelf inside my pantry to hold this one kind of spice bottle. Like, there's, there's no... That was a like, great video, by the way. No, the one I didn't make. I mean, there's no, like, big, broad story that you can... I mean, maybe there is. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of a thing. Like, you just got to do it sometimes and get it over with and whatever. So, I'm with you on that. I think... um picking some stuff just to do and don't film it just for the sake of one. It makes it go like at least twice as fast, if not more. I have a, a, yeah, I have a little bit of an OCD in the way that like, if I'm working on something and then, so for instance, yesterday when I didn't do the knobs as a video, and then I changed my point of view, I made the knobs sexier because I would have just cut them, Mm. drilled them and stuck them on. I would have just put chunks of brass on there <laughs> without any of the extra detail I put on Square it. knobs? Yeah, I would have just put square knobs because I would have been like, eh, it doesn't matter. But now that I changed my point of view, I started like digging in and making it a little bit more, you know, fluffy. And at the end, I learned more because I got to utilize some skills that I don't use all that much and using the Bridgeport Mill in an interesting way with an indexer, Bob, you'll see that. And you'll be like, <laughs> I need one of those indexers <laughs> off of Amazon too. Oh yeah. Send me a link. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, sometimes, and then when I'm doing something that I know isn't a video, I'm like the whole time as I make it, because we're so trained, I'm imagining the shots I would take of, you know, changing the muffler under a car. I'm like, okay, it would be cool if there was a camera right there. And and I'm like, wait, this isn't a video. No, no, no. But, and then, you know, I just can't help myself. Like this would be cool if I had an aerial shot of this while I'm doing this. And then sometimes I'll be like, I can't, I got to make this into a video. All right, I'm going to do it. 
because I can't obsessively stop building it in my head anyway. So the point of making is something that would otherwise be a mundane thing. I turn into a little bit more interesting once the you ever the light is shed on it. See something that somebody else makes, and it is amazing. And then, but nobody has ever seen it. Like for like, my grandpa will make something for himself, and I'll see that. And I'm like, "What's that?" And he's like, "Oh, I made that." I'm like, "What? You didn't show it off to hundreds of thousands of people? You didn't post it on your Instagram? You just made it for yourself and didn't tell anybody? That doesn't make any sense to my <laughs> <Yeah>. brain." <laughs> that's well, that's funny because that was going to be when me and years ago. I don't know who knows this. And this isn't any secret, but years ago. I guess it was like 2015 or 2016. Nick Offerman and I <clears throat> went around and tried to sell a show. And the idea of the show was that we would meet people that otherwise would never be online and show up their craft. You know, it's guys that are, you know, to them, it's a job, but to the outside eyeballs, it's a like, Oh my God, that's an incredible skill. And they're like, well, I just mm-hmm. weave baskets all day long. This is my job. And it's like, no, it's like you could like pass this on and create careers for people that would be inspired by what you do. And you're like, well, I don't know. I guess, you know, so we were going to try and find people that have a crafty job and just for one reason or another, it's just not exposed. And so we were going to try and find like, like your grandpa who makes the crosses and just cool stuff and just find people. And anyway, it's always still a possibility. Every time I talk to a production company, they're like, if you could do any show you want, what would it be? And then I describe that and they go, would you do a competition show? I was like, yeah. you, is there anything else choice? you would like to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you guys got anything else oh, on yeah. this? Cause I know Jimmy's got to yeah. go. We, we do need to do an after show for the Patreon people. No, I did. But... I think that was a good topic. Okay, cool. Well, um, let me thank our Patreon supporters and we are going to do a short after show for you today. It's not longer because of Jimmy. So you can blame it on him. I'm sorry. Uh, big thanks to everybody that supports us over there, especially the top supporters. Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting. You can make this too. Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Corey from Make Shape Create, who sent us a topic. Corey, I got it. And I was going to bring it up, but we'll do it next time. And Odin Leather Goods. But uh, there's a big list of other people that support what? us. We actually got a new patron while we were recording. So I already deleted their email. Sorry, I missed your name. But I can look it up real quick just to say thanks to Thank, thanks Juan. Juan. His name's Juan. Thanks, Juan. Yeah. Um, so anyway, if you want to go help out the show, we would really appreciate it. And you get the after show, which is more of us talking. And you get to hear about my secret project. You do that by going to patreon.com slash making it. Cool. Let's recommend stuff really quickly. I've got one. Cool. I'll go. Paper roller coasters. What? My oldest son is doing a project in school right now where they get to build paper roller coasters. Ooh, that's fun. And it's a really cool little system. This guy, I don't, I don't know who he is. Um, I mean, I don't know. His name is Andrew Gatt. I don't know anything else about him. But he has this system of templates with all the cuts and... Um, so you can buy the paper or you can print out your own templates and it makes all sorts of different shoots and spirals and loops and all sorts of stuff. And they're using this in school to talk about energy transfer and kinetic energy and all this stuff. So he's really gotten into building this model that they did for school. And he showed me one of the videos. I'm going to put a link to the video, which is not a great video. It's just of a paper roller coaster, but there's information in that description 
if you have kids or you just like roller coasters and you want to make your own, you should definitely, I'm waving to Derek who's behind you there. Um, you should definitely go check it out because my son is loving it and all my other kids want to get it now too. It's just paper, but pretty cool. Using marbles. That's great. Okay. Done. I have somebody. Last night I was mesmerized by somebody I've been following, but you know, when you get reacquainted with somebody you haven't seen in a while, because Instagram hides everybody, uh, a guy named Dom Rico Bean. Does anybody know him? He does these incredible miniature Mm. landscapes on CNC. And the best thing about it is, how many times have we tried to shoot CNC and make it interesting? Every one of his posts is just oh. a mountain or a mountain range <clears throat> being CNC'd, small, six by six, sometimes smaller, two by two inches. He has incredible Ooh. cinematography skills. All super Ooh. fast. Did you find him? D-O-M dot R-I-C-C-O-B-E-N-E. I don't know how I found him, but his work is unbelievable. It makes me want to go learn more about CNC that I think I've... You know, at this point, I'm like, I need to, I know all I need to know. I don't, but I don't do 3D stuff because it hasn't really had a calling in my life. But this makes me want to go do 3D CNC. I've seen his tiny volcano before. Yeah. That is awesome. He's got a lot of like little viral videos. Great, great, great content. And so I think he's only on Instagram. He's got a couple hundred thousand on Instagram. And his videos are quick, but really rewarding to watch. Oh, he might have a YouTube channel. So. 6,000 some subscribers. It might just be his Instagram videos. So uh, my video is a book. It's called The Hand-Carved Bowl. It is from my favorite hand-carving artist, Daniel Rose uh, Bird. She's absolutely incredible. She has a YouTube channel, but she stopped posting a couple years ago because YouTube is boring sometimes (laughs) or or rude or mean. So... Uh, I wish she posted more videos, but her book just came out and it's great and it's a good timing for me as I've been getting into adding textures and hand carving some things on my projects. So it's called The Hand Carved Bowl. See you later. Sweet. Check that out. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, um, we're going to go do the after show. So thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you, everybody. Love you.